Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to Frequencies. We are at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. I am Rafael Tamayo. And I'm Monica. And we're going to let our guests introduce themselves and what they're all about. Hello, my name is David Lozano, and I am the Executive Artistic Director of Academy of Theater. Y yo soy Frida Espinosa Müller, y soy... Um, Miembro del elenco de Caramia, artista y actriz también. Woo! Yeah. I need I need sound effects. You have them somewhere. Yeah, I know. I of course. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Anywho, um, yeah. So Caramia Theater is in the building officially. Welcome. I feel like um, we well. I, I was going to say, I feel like we don't see you enough, but sometimes I could say that we see you all too often. <laughs> but still, I feel like uh, because we've been working so close together mm -hmm. collaboratively for so long, um, you guys are just as much a part of what we do here at the Cultural Center as the other programs that we, we do throughout the years. Mm. So, um, yeah, welcome to welcome to OC3. We just finished the School of Yes Summer Camp, which has been going for quite some time. Um But yeah, I think it was really exciting once we started doing Frequencies, the OC3 podcast. Monica came up with the idea of kind of taking the conversations that happen at the Cultural Center um, that the public can take part in. So artist talks, artist conversations, Q&As and things like that, and find a way to make it a little more accessible. So it's really cool to be able to bring you two in because, again, the relationship between Karami and OC3 is, is so cool. Um, But I think it'll also give our public an opportunity to see what Caramia is all about, all from, mm. you know, the programming that we do to some of the collaborative efforts that we've seen throughout the years and then some of the stuff that you all have going on. Mm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, what, what, let's, let's talk about Caramia Theater first because we can talk about OC3 all day, but yeah. um, <laughs> please give... Well, we have, we have to say that Oak Cliff Cultural Center is one of the coolest spots in the city of Dallas. Mm -hmm. And the connections you have in the city and the people you bring to the center are really unique and just at a high level of community service and art making. Oh, so. We know, we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. We're pretty cool if I do say so myself. So, no, so thank you for saying that. But yeah, we. I mean, we try. I think... Uh, You know, it, it, it means a lot yeah. for us to be able to foster the different kinds of relationships that we've seen over the past few years. But um, we're always excited to to do the really cool and fun and engaging and impactful work. So it's exciting. All right on. Well, yeah, so I have a question. Sure. Tell me. I guess we'll start off um, with what about for people that don't know about Karamia Theater? What would you tell them Karamia Theater is all about? Oh, yes. <laughs> 10 seconds on the elevator. 10 seconds. <laughs> well, getting, getting, take your time. I, I think the, the 10 second speech. So we're not good about coming up with those marketing pieces such as the elevator speech. Yeah. But uh, we're good at the 24 pagers. So, <laughs> nice, nice. But, but I think um, so I was thinking about this because I, I, I think sometimes asking like what Katamia is, is the hardest question to answer. Mm -hmm. So I. I, I started to think about um, who Kata, who who make up Katamia Theater, and I think of Rodney Garza, who now mm. lives in Califas, who brought who we met in San Antonio during a two week workshop to create a carpa at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center, and Rodney was just so sharp, um, the essence of a Texas Chicano. 
bilingual. He became the MC of the of the carpa. And he was just so incredible. And we saw his one-person show, El Juco y la Che, at the time. And so we brought him to the Ice House Cultural Center. And it just so happened the Ice House had this um, exhibition of cholos. Mm-hmm. And so he performed this um, uh, this piece about a pachuco. It's Texas pachuco in a space surrounded by cardboard cutouts of cholos leaning against walls yeah and so they all these cutouts (laughs) were leaning against the wall at the ice house and so frida was there my parents were there i mean it was packed yeah and so that's caramia um i also think about um i think about the kids we work with i think about the kids at the school of yes i always remember this um second grader when i was still teaching and uh, she was really shy and i always remember by week three she had gone from just straight hair to braids with colored beads in her hair. Um, she had changed out her tin, her shoelaces yeah. to like multicolored shoelaces. Um, she was still quiet, but she was always participating in everything, improvising scenes, always creating with other kids. And so seeing a child go from being shy mm-hmm. and the child of immigrants uh, going from being shy to being full of vitality through a multidisciplinary arts course, an intensive, that's Academia. Um, I think about uh, Jose Ángel Gutiérrez, the, the Chicano civil rights leader who mm-hmm. was certainly a militant uh, uh, leader in the 60s and 70s, known for inspiring the Crystal City walkouts, which we right. wrote a play about. He is Karamia. He inspired the play along with others living in Dallas. But his also political history and his writings um, informed us mm-hmm. on how we organize and support our communities. And so he is Karamia. Um, the, the people that we collaborate with, the over 100 partners that we collaborate with. So I, I, I think it's the people. And I guess it's fitting that, you know, we talk about the people because mm-hmm. That's that's what the name refers to. Right. My face, Caramia, and um, this is meant to represent the people, our gente, our pueblo, uh, los Latinos, los Mexicanos, los Chicanos, los Puertorriqueños, mm-hmm. todos los Latinos que que las obras de nosotros se pueden representar. Entonces, I just think that Caramia um, means is is the people's theater, and and um, that's what we strive to. Every day. So really quick, uh, una cosa sobre eso. Entonces, uh, with, and I'll say it in, in, in both so that the people listening can kind of gauge where my question is coming from. But Caramia, in, in a way, seems to encompass so much about um, a particularly American, Latino, Latina, Latinx experience. Um, but for me personally, it's really difficult to look at what Caramia is and not like look at what Frida has done and so Frida has contributed much to the fabric of what it is now and I see Frida even with the kids right like it's a lot of a lot of uh, Mexico a lot of a lot of um, like you know when mm-hmm. you're folklore eran, si, lo, los cuentos de los zapatistas que, mm-hmm. que los niños mm-hmm. aprendieron entonces todo eso está tejido mm-hmm. en, entre la identidad de Caramia entonces 
sí. refleja un poco en eso. Sí, para, para mí, cara mía, es como esta nueva casa, uh -huh. esta nueva casa y este uh -huh. eh, espacio, este espacio construido por las caras y los quehaceres y los deseos y sueños de muchas personas que, que podemos ser de aquí, de, que pueden ser de aquí de los Estados Unidos con su diversidad de latinidades, uh -huh. ¿no? O podemos ser también los que estamos llegando, los que hemos llegado, que, que venimos de, pues, de México, de algunos otros países de Latinoamérica y que encontramos en Caramía un espacio en donde podemos compartir también nuestros sueños, nuestros quehaceres, nuestro corazón, nuestras uh, formas de arte y ofrecerlos a, pues, a, a la comunidad en estas diversas formas, ¿no? Tanto en, en el teatro como en la enseñanza de arte o en escribiendo o haciendo cualquiera de las disciplinas, pero las compartimos a través de Caramía y es, y es precisamente eso que, que, se, que se va sintiendo como como hecho de muchas piezas, como un mosaico, ¿no? No es, no es plano, no es de... Eh, a lo mejor yo pienso mucho en dos cosas cuando pienso en Caramilla. Pienso en, en Eliberto González mm. y su necesidad, como él me lo ha contado, como nos lo ha contado a muchos, su, su deseo y necesidad de ver el arte eh, de él, que, de, que pensaba que las cosas que venían desde su familia, ver a su, su experiencia personal como mexicano-americano en el escenario y en, en, el, en los, en los eh, teatros de Dallas, pero también pienso en Crystal City, uh -huh. ¿no? Que es, que es un momento en donde un colectivo de, de mexicano-americanos y de mexicanos se ponen a construir y a luchar por tener como eh, una voz, uh -huh. ¿no? Que desde diferentes ángulos es el, la misma necesidad de tener una voz adentro de una ciudad en donde somos muchos, pero nos perdemos y nos, y, o nos escondemos por miedo uh -huh. o por... Eh, principalmente la, los inmigrantes, ¿no? Que van llegando y que no encuentran como... Um, la posibilidad de hablar desde su idioma o desde su cultura, pues se esconden. Entonces creo que Caramía es esa como oasis, esa posibilidad mm. para muchos. Para mí lo ha sido, entonces. Sí. Uh -huh. Y creo, bueno, opinión mío, el, viendo el desarrollo de la organización, en, en comenzar en una compañía que presentaba, pues, típicamente nomás obras de teatro uh -huh. y ahora con... Cualquier cosa que, que, pues, llega en la trayectoria suya, um, I don't know, parece más... Sí es padre y, y me divierto mucho en ver las cosas que, que presentan, pero al mismo tiempo es un trabajo necesario, comunitario, que les da el, 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 pues, el poder a la gente y, y a la comunidad de decir, oye, sí estamos aquí y uh -huh. de una manera o de otra van a, van a verlos, van a vernos uh -huh. a nosotros, uh -huh. van a ver a cara mía... Y um, no, no es faltar el respeto, decir que estamos aquí orgullosos <risa> y siendo de diferentes razas y todo eso. Um, so para mí es, eh, pues sí, es algo que, que pues, ustedes han hecho durante que los últimos, que son? ¿20 años? ¿Nosotros Yo o personalmente la 16 como, años. 16, pero uh -huh. como compañía... Estamos, Academy ha existido por 25 años. 25. Uh -huh. That's a long time. Yeah. It's, 
It's mm-hmm. a really long time. So you t- so mm-hmm. for me, it's like, yeah. And so what I was just mentioning now for our English listeners is just watching the the development of Garamia go from someone that I was like, oh, this is a theater company that puts oh, on plays yeah. and kind of developing into, mm-hmm. well, this is what our work is about and the growth of the organization reaching out into the educational programs, into the social justice programs and, you know, doing stuff that is a lot more than theater. And so in my mind, everything is theater, right? But when you get out of the lens of, um, yes, anything can be theater, but I'm not going to just perform this on a stage in, you know, proscenium and all of that, you know, we're going to talk about performance art. We're, we're going to go outside of walls. We're going to focus on music. We're going to focus on film and, and, you know, give other artists platforms because it's all a part of what Caramia has done. It's nice to see what, what listening to the people can do for an organization. Well, that's, it's really powerful. You bring that up because I, because that's, because it's evolved in many ways Mm -hmm. and, a lot of way in a lot of ways like through impulse you know we have the impulse to meet the community where they are to have dialogues um, through the context of art but also through spaces of community and so I, I was thinking a lot about community action because that's one of the pillars of our organization so mm-hmm. we have um, theater education and community action and in many ways community action is the most important and and when I think of action, um, when I speak, it's action because my words have impact. Um, they have impact. They also represent someone. They res- represent a group of people. They represent an organization. It can they can represent an experience. And so when we speak, when we personify ourselves in plays, or in a community forum or in a performance in a neighborhood, uh, non-theater um, uh, setting, mm. it's action. And so I think that that's, that's what we've really discovered because when we, when we, for example, produce a play like Swimming While Drowning, which is about mixed race, LGBTQ high school uh, kids, high school age kids that are in a houseless shelter, um, them their their presence on a stage is an is an is an act of, st- of saying uh and and actually an act of of power mm-hmm. they have the that those characters have that and that and that identity has center stage and they are delivering and expressing themselves um and and with full attention of the audience and so that's what the action of having an organization and a theater company like ours can uh, can 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 express because that's what we need. Mm-hmm. That's what our communities need because as we look at pop mainstream media, you know, we're our our people aren't necessarily represented. When I say our people, I'm talking about diverse people of of races, ethnicities, and and various identities. I think that's super interesting because when I first started working here, so I don't know how many people know this, but I grew up in Flower Mound and so over in Denton, um, mainly white, and I had never seen, literally, I came in during the end of summer camp here at Oak Cliff and I had never seen so many kids of color in one place doing art. I'd never seen it in my life because I had never been a part of that. Um, And so it was something that just kind of, 
shook me a little because I had never had that opportunity. And I think it's really important just because in the Latino culture, especially como inmigrantes, it's very, you know, art is not necessarily an option mm. because mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. yeah, es un, es un lujo porque no hay el dinero, no hay el tiempo. I mean, it's just not there. So yeah. I thought that was super impactful. And that's the first mm-hmm. thing that hit me. Yeah, no, and, and y, y como tú dices, para ti, lo mismo es para los niños que llegan, ¿no? Mm-hmm. A, este, a este espacio. Para mí personalmente, como mexicana, yo creo que eh, yo no había encontrado mi misión de vida como persona mm-hmm. hasta llegar aquí. Y yo, yo sabía desde, pues, desde joven que me gustaba el teatro, que me gustaba el arte. Eh, eso, había un amor hacia eso y me daba una libertad para expresarme. Pero el, la, la maravilla que se siente al sentir que eso realmente sirve a alguien uh-huh. es algo que no había sentido como cuando ya llegué aquí y empecé a trabajar con niños latinos. Sí. Porque yo puedo ver en ellos y en los papás cómo realmente necesitan y aprecian esos espacios. Es como uh-huh. han venido, bueno, lo ves ahí con los niños cuando estás enseñando y cómo se emocionan al contar y al hacer conexiones personales con el arte. Pero luego también los papás cuando te empiezan a decir es que mi hijo gracias a esta clase le cambió la vida o gracias a esto, él ahora quiere hablar español, ¿no? Y, es el y ya no está, ya no está uh-huh. peleando en contra de su propia cultura. Porque eso es algo que se vive en todo, en todas partes de este país, no solo de esta ciudad, pero esta negación a quienes somos, ¿no? Uh-huh. No sé. Sí. Es algo que se, que se vibra y que los niños, pues desgraciadamente, tienen que estar todos los días eh, en contraposición con eso. ¿Quiénes son en casa y quiénes son afuera, ¿no? En el mundo, uh-huh. en el mundo social. Y es muy y, interesante uh-huh. que dices eso porque este pues yo crecí aquí, ¿verdad? Y hubo un punto en el que yo no escuchaba música en español, más que nada en middle school, este, no escuchaba o no veía telenovelas porque pues mis amigos no las veían, no las escuchaban y no fue hasta que llegué a, a, a la universidad este, uh-huh. que me empecé a juntar más con personas hispanas y dije, I've been missing out on my culture, what the heck. <laughs> y luego, <laughs> and then I came here to a clip and I started working here and I saw what y'all were doing y no nada más ustedes, pero... Este, otras organizaciones and mm-hmm. I was like oh, I wish I had that mm-hmm. I wish I could have had that opportunity to explore and live my culture mm-hmm. as a young child para que no hubiera ese rechazo que, mm-hmm. que tuve cuando estaba creciendo claro pero yo creo que es también una cosa bien normal, ¿no? Porque uh-huh. a esa edad de, de jóvenes todos queremos como fit in, como uh-huh. pertenecer a lo, a lo de yeah. afuera. Y es un proceso natural, ¿no? Entre los jóvenes que vas creciendo y entonces ya, primero tus papás son lo mejor y luego son lo peor, sí. ¿no? Hasta que, hasta que maduras y otra sí. vez vuelves a valorar lo que tus papás pudieron haber hecho por ti. Entonces, um, yo creo que esa es una también de las enseñanzas a, a personales para mí, porque cuando uno llega como, como migrante, tienes un shock de la diferencia de la cultura. Uh-huh. Y a veces, pues, somos humanos y todos juzgamos, ¿no? Y todos de repente es como, no, no, es mejor mi país, dice la gente, o es mejor yeah. esto, o es mejor lo otro. Pero yo creo que una de esas eh, es, cosas importantes de aprender es, es como apreciar como las nuevas amalgamas culturales que se 
forman uh -huh. y apreciar como esas diferentes etapas en donde cada individuo va teniendo la capacidad de ir como abriéndose y aceptándose y aceptando lo demás como en, en una a veces fusión o en su diversidad de una manera amorosa, ¿no? Sin, uh -huh. sin, sin decir, ah, mi, mi cultura es la mejor, ¿no? Cada cultura tiene una belleza infinita y muchas veces las mismas culturas se encuentran. Eso es algo que yo aprendí mucho aquí porque obviamente en México pues sí tenía culturas de otros países y, y pues podía leer, ¿no? A través de los libros. Me gustaba mucho desde antes como eh, todo lo relacionado al, al mundo oriental, ¿no? Este, mm. de yoga y cosas así, o hindú, de las religiones, pero no había estado tan cerca al mundo africano. Uh -huh. Y llegar aquí me dio también como esa oportunidad de ir aprendiendo un poquito, ¿no? Porque obviamente, pues, no, no soy una maestra al respecto, pero lo poco que he aprendido me, me, es hermoso y también me gusta mucho hacer conexiones entre las culturas y eso trato de aplicarlo en las clases que tenemos en School of Yes, o todas las clases que doy a través de Caramía, porque, que, porque en esa... Y me acuerdo mucho de, de Trish Creer, oh, porque yeah. Trish siempre me decía, es que la gente... Cuando conoce su raíz, se conoce a sí mismo. Yo creo yeah. que fue de las primeras personas que yo, que yo escuché hablar así y me hizo reflexionar mucho. Y entonces pienso eso y siento esto. Y entonces no, veo mi raíz, me conecto, entiendo mi raíz, me da fuerza, me da, me da fortaleza, pero también entender otras raíces me ayuda a entender que somos uno mismo. Uh -huh. al, al final del día, todas las culturas ancestrales aman y promueven las mismas cosas, que es el amor a la vida, el amor a la familia, el amor a nuestros ancestros, eso está en todos lados y, y nos da como esa fuerza, ¿no? And so mm -hmm. I think that, like, this work with, with our multiple cultures that we coexist with in Dallas mm -hmm. is, is, is our work. And, and we share this work with many people, the, the two of you and the folks at, at Oak Cliff, at the center as well as different organizations mm -hmm. i mean and it's I, it's really cool to see but um to witness again like just the traveling of that road um caramia has has definitely composed uh, with a particular kind of harmony you know what i mean when it comes to pulling all of these things together because it's it's difficult and challenging work um As, as, as a witness, but it's also um, some of the most rewarding because you're able to establish, you know, these these bases, these these opportunities, these platforms, these homes for mm -hmm. for kids, for communities, for all kinds of people where it's just like, you know, I, I'm I'm about this work and you're a little bit different and you're from this background and your roots are that and Yes, the difference doesn't have to keep us apart. We're going to work together in a way that empowers each of us in our own right so that we can, you know, commit this together. Um, and it really, I, I feel like some of the most humbling work is watching the students, like, I don't know how many students over the years ask about Miss Frida and Miss Frida and Miss Frida. 
and and I want to cry. So no. many of the videos that I made with these kiddos, like the question was like, "Who's your favorite teacher? Like your favorite class?" Oh, Miss Frida. We love Miss Frida. And so, yeah, because they know I love them. And then the older kids, when they become student leaders, they come back and say hello to her. Or even I've noticed you're like Miss Frida. Gosh, sí, qué impresionante. Ya cuando los vemos grandes, ya es la universidad y y es bonito ver cómo porque aquí también aquí al Oakleaf Cultural Center siempre está lleno de estos chicos, ¿no? Que todo el tiempo regresan porque porque yo creo que es como una casa también para ellos. But you know, I wanted to kind of so I can talk a little bit about. Are the way we think organizationally too, yeah, because everything what you're saying is that it's become it's become part of our philosophy as an institution. Mm-hmm. Is that um, we frame our work in terms of intercultural learning and relationship building, mm-hmm. and so we, you know, because for one, it's important for us to be able to communicate in different spaces. Because really, on the ground level, this is about people. And us connecting with our roots and people from various cultures getting together and exploring our respective roots in expressing ourselves and sharing our cultures with each other and, and creating a, a shared um, familiahood. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think that um, on, in institutional language, you know, we talk about establishing a framework because it's important for us to be able to communicate to uh, – to foundations, corporations, um, and other aspects of our professional community here in the United States that so that they can invest in us, so we can keep investing in our community. And so um, these are frameworks that are inspired by truth, racial healing, and transformation, as well as Indigenous Direction, a Native consulting group we've worked with. Mm-hmm. And so it's the concept of, of the circle in mm-hmm. which everyone has a place in the circle. And everyone has uh, an equal voice in a circle. And in that way, white, black, brown, Asian, um, you, all of the identities have a place. And, and this is how we, this is actually how we build community. And this is, in, in a way, a, um, a ground level way of building towards racial and, and cultural equity. It's not quite the same. We, we, it's really a framework around what we would call racial healing. Because often when we talk about racial equity, and me, I've been involved in, in confrontational struggles for racial equity. Racial healing is not confrontational. And mm-hmm. so this is a direction that we've been moving into. And it's based on the practices of art and based on the practices of, of, of community um, building and then and, – and, intercultural connections and so it's it's really when this when this this light switch was turned on for us we realized we have we already have so many practices already mm-hmm. that take us there um, we just need to be intentional about creating these um, the curricula the programs and the opportunities so that's been a lot of our work mm-hmm. and even though we've already been doing it It's a really hard and and challenging to put it on paper and and create systems, but that's where we're at now. But so that's actually my job is to kind of create the systems, so so it fits in a in in an organization that can receive funding, provide living wages for artists and facilitators, 
and um, but it's people like Frida, um, uh, as well as people like Jody Voice Yellowfish, um, uh, uh, as well as Ernest McMillan, um, Stephanie Tovar. All they all have circles, mm-hmm. and that 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 work with diverse people in different ways, and all of these circles are providing transformational experiences. In which we're rewiring ourselves, not to not to be confrontational, but actually to um, become friends yeah. with people, to become friends and 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 to come to a circle in friendship. It's really powerful. So that's kind of that's kind of how we're 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 evolving this this multicultural work. So it's this evolution from Chicano, Latino, Latinx, multicultural, intercultural, and then the circle. Yeah. So you're talking about, you know, how y'all have, you know, come through this kind of, I guess, ecosystem. I don't know how, what to, how to call it, but, you know, this trajectory. And so I've never been a part of a theater company. As I was telling Raph earlier, the farthest I've been, I was the lead in my sixth grade play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I forgot my line at one point, but it's okay. Um, so I've always wondered, you know, and this is my, this might be different for Caramia than other theater companies, but how, what is the makeup of the theater company? Like, how, how do y'all get your work done? Who does what? What are the roles? That's a, that's a really good question. One we keep asking ourselves because, because we keep growing. And so, so in 2009, Academy of Theater was about to close. And so I think we, the organization had about $2,000 in the bank. I wasn't part of the organization. It's actually selling advertising to use car lots. So, um, so I was hitting the pavement in like Pleasant Grove and Garland and, um, uh, you know, Fort Worth Avenue. And so um, <laughs> learning a lot about the city, but the company was about to close and a friend of mine brought the idea of writing the play Crystal City 1969 because his family was a part of this incredible Chicano movement in South Texas that formed the incredible Raza Unida political party. So I came back and I talked to Caramia, Caramia's board about producing this and then saying, okay, you can, we can close the company afterwards. And so, but it, it brought new life to Caramia. And so... We basically went from two thousand dollars into the bank in the bank at that time to what we are now is that we're one of the five Latinx theaters in the United States that has an annual operating budget of over a million dollars. Wow, that is dope. Yeah, <laughs> I, I need. I we need the. We definitely need. It. <laughs> That's a huge deal. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's it was a it's a very big deal and something we've had our eye on because. We knew that our capacity um, could increase. We have the capacity of of artists that we work with and staff that could increase this capacity to create more impact. But as we've grown, our responsibilities change. And mm-hmm. so, and so, so for example, I think from my position as the executive artistic director, it's it's thinking about our direction programmatically, but also um, structurally. How do we structure the organization? Uh, and then you have, uh, uh, and we have our incredible managing director, Ariana Cook, who really uh, oversees the operations of the organization. And so, um, and, up, and up till now, uh, she's been, and when she joined, um, 
and, she, and before she joined, I was working out of my basement office. <laughs> and then when she joined, mm-hmm. we just happened to get a space at the Salmon Center. And we doubled in size that year. And we doubled from a small size, but but we doubled from 170000 annual budget to a 350000 annual budget. Wow. Because her, her efficiency in op- operations allowed us just to create more programming which generated more revenue. And so and so here we are now with a staff of five, including a playwright in residence funded by the Mellon Foundation and, um, and a communications coordinator and artistic assistant, Matthew Rodriguez, and Cheyenne Raquel Farley, who's the um, coordinator for education community action. Um, and so here we are, uh, you know, running, um, and, uh, you know, programs, operations, fundraising, and strategic planning. And um, and now we're headed into uh, up to a 25-year residency as the resident theater company at the Latino Cultural Center along with Teatro Dallas. This is historical because no other Latinx theater company has been a resident theater of a city arts building in the history of Dallas. And so... That's a huge, big deal. Woo-hoo! Huge deal. Yeah. Big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's huge, and it's huge because Teatro Dallas is really the first professional mm-hmm. Latinx theater company in Dallas. Caramia is, uh, from what we understand, is the second. Um, and so it's taken Teatro Dallas 35 years to get to this, Caramia 25. And so um, here we are, and we're ready to keep growing. And so then, of course, you have the artists. Um, that are also teaching artists as well as performers, writers, directors, producers, um, and then our facilitators and teachers with community action. And we're even, we've gone into consulting as well. Um, so uh, just call 214. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rav, we need to charge some money. Right, right. <laughs> so, 30-second uh, ad. But yeah, so I, I mean, it's, it's complex and every theater is different. So, um, but... But um, but we keep evolving, and it's just a broad, it's a broad web of people doing a lot, which has contributed to this growth. Yeah. No, ha cambiado muchísimo. Yo me acuerdo cuando yo llegué aquí en el 2005, David tenía dos tres años como director artístico de Caramia y y estábamos enseñando campamentos de verano ahí en el Ice House uh-huh. con Delaila Buitrón y, con un carro y, y David sin y yo <ríe> y, y sí <ríe> todo bueno en esa época ahí en el mismo Ice House había una oficina pequeña de Caramía pero después cuando cerraron ese edificio pues nos movimos a, a, a la casa no y todo lo hacíamos en la casa y nada más era David y yo le ayudaba como podía porque pues si ahora mi inglés no es excelente, pues en esa época menos, ¿no? Acababa de llegar, entonces no podía realmente escribir en inglés. Pero ahí estaba, ¿no? Ayudándole a hacer los, los programas de mano. Todo lo hacíamos nosotros, todo lo hacíamos nosotros, wow. porque no, no había como fondos para otra cosa. No había opción. Y, y hoy, después de 16 años... Eh, pues Caramia le ha ayudado a, 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 a muchas personas, ¿verdad? Hemos pasado muchos artistas, pero personalmente ahora veo, ahora me, me ayudó a escribir, un, me, me produjo una obra que yo escribí y ahora yo no tengo que hacer el trabajo de administración de esa obra porque hay todo un staff ahí que está trabajando con Caramia para que podamos llevar a esta, a esta obra a lugares como parte de la programación de Caramia. Entonces es... es 
dimensional la, el cambio. Hemos grabado durante estos 15 años, nosotros hemos creado cinco shows para niños. Hemos escrito y dirigido y creado estos shows que llevamos a las escuelas primordialmente, programas bilingües y educativos, culturales. Y ahora estos cinco, estas cinco obras ya han sido grabadas. ¿No? Entonces ahora ahora son, ahora son pueden llevarse no solo a Dallas, a la comunidad de niños de Dallas, pero también de todos los Estados Unidos, sí, o si eh. quisiéramos afuera del país, porque son videos. Entonces uh -huh. las dimensiones de, de los alcances que tenemos hoy y de, de lo que podemos hacer como compañía son muchísimo más grandes. Entonces también con cada obra que llevamos a las escuelas, en persona, en vivo o virtualmente, uh -huh. vienen con, con herramientas para los maestros, para Días experiencias, uh -huh. para experiencias en las clases. Entonces ofrecemos study guides y materiales para, para los maestros y los alumnos en las escuelas. Entonces es, y, y que se enfocan otra vez en intercultural learning, en uh -huh. relationship building, porque los jóvenes en las escuelas se necesitan aprender a comunicarse entre ellos, entre las razas, uh -huh. entre las edades, entre las, los maestros y los jóvenes. Entonces hay ejercicios en, las, en, 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 los, en, en estas experiencias en que pueden desarrollar esas habilidades. Entonces es una otra forma de plantar nuestros valores y nuestras visiones de, 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 de crear un, un mejor mundo. Sí. A yeah. través de, de obras educativas. Entonces, y durante la pandemia hemos, hemos presentado nuestras obras a 30 mil jóvenes en el wow. distrito escolar de Dallas. Yeah. Entonces, estamos entrando en una época muy interesante para la uh -huh. compañía. Porque no nomás es decir uh -huh. una obra de teatro o un programa o algo bonito que los uh -huh. estudiantes van a ver. Dan, les están uh -huh. dando... El, el, los recursos, lo, las instrucciones para decir, bueno, ustedes también pueden. Les vamos a abrir la puerta para sí. que ustedes puedan explorar y, y uh -huh. estudiantes, tanto como los maestros, porque los uh -huh. maestros también aprenden de lo claro. que sí. ofrece uh -huh. Caramía. Y para tener reflexiones a partir de, ¿no? A partir de cada una de las obras, pueden, eh, estos juegos, ref, eh, eh, reflexiones como actividades académicas y también, eh, pues, de juego, ¿no? lucrativas, pues también invitan a los niños y a los maestros a tener reflexiones personales y comunitarias con respecto a, a, a la vida, ¿no? Uh -huh. Que es algo muy bonito que yo creo que a veces no está disponible o muy a la mano para todos. Es una experiencia muy única. Sí, sí. sí. Yeah. Man, cara mía is working. Sí, <laughs> sí. Yeah, you know, and hey, so everyone. we and so we like to work with other people. I was going to say that uh, so Jerry Hawkins, the director oh, yeah, of Dallas like Truth, Racial yeah, Healing and Transformation, he developed um, an, an incredible study guide associated with Frida's play Ursula mm -hmm. about child separation at the border, U.S.-Mexico border. So this incredible experience of working with Jerry Hawkins on Frida's play uh, creates this this opportunity for students in in DISD as well as in universities to uh, see the connection between um, for example his his mother his grandmother who he he talks about in the study guide who fled the south during Jim Crow to flee violence mm -hmm. very much like 
uh, Navia in Frida's play who fled Honduras with her mother um, to flee gang violence there. So seeing the connections between nuestras razas, our, our people in this community and in our country is a powerful experience. And so we're we're always looking and always uh, collaborating with who I think are some of the finest people uh, in the fields in which we're operating. I mean, you just saying that right now reminds me of what Frida was saying earlier, you know, learning about different cultures and just seeing the intersections of like yeah. everybody's roots. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many similarities mm-hmm. that if we just start digging, we start seeing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Um, I have a question. <laughs> I've been wanting to ask this for a long time. No, it's okay. Okay. So one of the biggest things is Latinos. We don't go typically to see live, you know, plays or anything like that. We just, it's just not a thing because, I mean, yo crecí y no teníamos el dinero para hacerlo o el tiempo. Or it just didn't feel like something that we could do. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents didn't grow up going to mm-hmm. watch plays. So, pero lo que se ve, si veíamos era puras novelas. O sea, <laughs> novelas eh, era la cosa. Entonces, mm-hmm. si nos gustan las novelas... ¿Cómo hacemos ese como ese shift para empezar a ver, you know, yo creo el teatro que, en vivo? Yo creo que hay un, una, un mal como misunderstanding, como un mal entendimiento de que el teatro es como para uh, upper classes, como para la gente de dinero, ¿no? Uh-huh. Y bueno, en efecto, hay un tipo de teatro o unos lugares, espacios de teatro que son muy caros y que su accesibilidad quizá no es tan fácil. Pero hay teatro en muchos niveles económicos, ¿no? Pero lo más importante es cómo está entendido que que los latinos tenemos muchas veces de que el teatro eh, no es para nosotros porque, porque es o aburrido o es muy culterano o habla de cosas que no nos interesan, o sea, no, yo creo que eh, culturalmente nuestros, no sé si es nuestros gobiernos o qué ha pasado que nos han, eh, creo que viene desde muchos años antes, quizá me, me pongo a pensar desde el porfiriato en donde efectivamente, ¿no? Como todas estas cosas de arte estaban enfocadas hacia las clases altas, hacia Ajá. la gente pues los ricachones de, de aquellas épocas y se va heredando como esa, esa visión de lo que es el teatro. Pero, y en contraparte, por ejemplo, en México tenemos un montón de, de arte, pues, folclórico, ¿no? Que pasa y que se da en los pueblos, no necesariamente en las salas teatrales, pero en los pueblos se, se dan ferias, se dan fiestas, se dan este, danzas. Pero no típicamente no piensa que como uh-huh. que eso es teatro, pero que es, es teatro arte. También, pero mm. es teatro también, y yo creo que eh, pues es, es, son, son como eh, polos ¿no? de, de, de diferentes formas de creaciones artísticas, pero es este entendimiento que creo que a los latinos nos hace pensar que no es un lugar para nosotros, pero no lo es, es muy divertido, y yo creo que ese es uno de los trabajos que tenemos ¿no? como gente que nos enamoramos por alguna razón con el arte, enamorar a más gente y hacerles eh, pues como sentir y vibrar que, que son lugares en donde no solo se van a divertir, pero también van como a, a abrir fronteras y a romper 
mitos y a romper eh, ideas en sus cabezas que los van a llevar a pues apreciar cosas también de, de otras formas, ¿no? Y, y realmente no es nada pesado ni nada como que tengan que leerse los las libros completos de Shakespeare. No, no tienen que hacer, no, eso ni ir lo, vestidos lo va a ser una... como, siempre se me da la idea de que piensan que tienen que ir vestidos como de chaxino. Muy elegantes o, sea, o algo. You know I mean? Es como una, eso es como algo que se usaba, ¿no? En, en una época. Y a lo mejor hay quienes todavía se arreglan mucho para ir al teatro, pero cada quien va como quiere, ¿no? Y, y, y sobre todo es eso, que, que yo creo que a mí me gustaría que la gente vaya descubriendo que realmente el teatro es un espacio para ver historias en vivo, eh, porque puede ser lo mismo que ver una película o que ver una novela, como dices, Ajá. pero va a ser en vivo. Y es como ver música en vivo, que dicen, la música no se no, no, no solo se oye, pero también se, se ve, ¿no? Y se siente. Es como esa, cuando tú ves al artista enfrente de ti desarrollando su arte, es como no te la crees porque dices, ¿en serio? Como ir a ver a los ¿Alguien es capaz, <risa> sí. O sea, a, a ver a, a los músicos tocando y emocionarse, es como, si realmente al, una, un ser humano es capaz de de sentir esas cosas y de transmitirme esas cosas y a veces las a veces puedes sentir eso en el cine pero no se siente nunca como en vivo uh -huh. vengan al teatro porque es, yeah. es, es que una sensación gente... muy particular de, de ver a alguien que cuando termina la función afuera lo vas a ver totalmente diferente oh, sí. y oh, cuando yeah. lo ves aquí enfrente de ti o sea estás viendo que llora o que declara su amor o que se divierte o uh -huh. no sé, mil cosas de una manera tan impresionante y que es ahí enfrente de ti lo, lo ves eso, eso yeah. es una pregunta muy importante porque porque la cuestión de teatro es que está en vivo y hay un público entonces no se puede tener teatro, no se puede hacer teatro sin un espectador uh -huh. porque el espectador es parte de la experiencia. Entonces, yo pienso en Lucha Teotl, uh -huh. que están haciendo oh, ahora, yeah. que están haciendo Rafa, especialmente Rafa. Él está hablando con el público uh -huh. y al, a, a él se responden. Yeah. Entonces, ahí está el teatro. El teatro existe en una experiencia, en un momento, en un espacio de dimensión, como el teatro, y el teatro... O en calle. Ese, Sí, o okay, cae, eh, yeah. pero en esa ocasión, en como un, en un espacio de lucha, uh -huh. en que puedes ver todo el público. Yeah. Entonces, el público están hablando con los actores y los luchadores, y Raf está hablando con, con la gente y están respondiendo. Entonces, es toda una experiencia de energía, de escuchar a la gente, ver a la gente y no están... Uh, Actualmente están racional. La gente, I'll speak in English. Now it's time to code switch. <laughs> but now it's like, but you see, you see an audience. It's not necessarily sitting there thinking and contemplating, you know, language and and literature. They're actually responding to kind of like this visceral, engage, uh, yeah, physical response to um, bodies being bot uh, thrown on the mat and people and and breaking the rules of of uh, decorum which is the nature of, of lucha libre and so that's actually probably closer to theater mm -hmm. than i think i think that's a great example of theater 
And then you think about the great work that Art Stillery is doing mm. with Family Dollar. I mean, that is also something you cannot experience on TV. And so you're walking around three houses that are designed so that you can observe the stories that are simultaneously taking place. So the, this is this is what theater can be, and theater is actually bigger than just plays. Yeah. So, so theater. Experience. Son, son las experiencias. Y ¿no? me recuerda de otra cosa, porque siempre escucho que que como los hispanos, and actually this kind of happened with Lucha Teotl, because mm -hmm. they were saying that at the Wiley, you know, people got really rowdy. And I just saw, <laughs> vi did. un artículo que escribieron. And so here's the thing. I've heard so many people say, oh, you know, like people of color, um, you know, get really rowdy, empiezan a aplaudir, <laughs> and they're like stomping or stuff like that. And so what is the space for that in a play or like a theater? Like, because I see it a lot with people of color or in, in that critique of, It being and there. that's the experience. Right. Because if you, me pongo así muy académica, eso es el teatro, ¿no? Esa relación entre el espectador, el, el actor, el espectador, ¿no? Es como este va y ven, va y ven de esta comunicación. Uh -huh. Y entonces se da la catarsis, que es esta cosa de transformación y de emoción muy grande. Y, y ahí está, ahí está, entre más llores o dependiendo si es un drama o si es una comedia, pues lloras o, o te pones eufórico de alguna manera, ¿no? But, but I would say theoretically the audience is another ensemble. Oh yeah, mm. for sure. So, especially, and you can see it, especially in Lucha Teotl, so an approach to making theater is that you have the ensemble of performers that are the paid actors, and then you have an ensemble of spectators who are the people paying To come yeah, in. So yeah. we're paying. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's a com it, it's mm -hmm. a conversation between mm -hmm. two characters or two sets of characters, and you have a different conversation every <laughs> yes. night. You really do, <laughs> and it's like, oh man, they were they were really vocal about their opinions today, or man, something really hit home on mm -hmm. on on the way they responded to these courses, this course of action mm -hmm. that we took as as performers. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that com the yeah. conversation, the back and forth, the the dialogue. And so the pandemic brought out these forms that capitalize on the on the live experience of audiences because we couldn't go into theaters. And and so there's a theory that when you go into a theater such as a, um, a proscenium theater and a proscenium is like what you would see at the Latino Cultural Center mm -hmm. or the at the Wiley when in its usual uh, right. uh, configuration, mm -hmm. which is the Italian, which is. You're, it's like a configuration of almost like a like box, a, like, like a movie theater. Mm -hmm. It's like not not even the black box, but it's like a movie theater. So the Brazilian, I believe he's Brazilian, um, uh, theater director says that's the coercive theater because you you actually can't participate in the in the plays in which, and I think it's an extreme view. Of course, we produce in the prosceniums, but it's a theory that it's a coercive theater because the play doesn't give the audience an op option to intervene. And mm. so the pandemic uh, allowed us, uh, forced us to leave the theaters. For, and so we had to create, we had to look at traditional forms. And what Katamia did is, for example, we looked at outdoor processions and performance, such as what we did for Dia de los Muertos, in which it was a First Amendment protest, but it had three... Uh, 18-foot calavera um, uh, floats and uh, five mojiganga calaveras marching from the Guadalupe all the way into front of City Hall to protest the government's, and not local governments, but the state and that federal government's response to COVID. 
And then in the spring, we had a kind of coming out experience of a procession with Mascaras de Mexico. And so these are, and in both of those experiences, the, the quote spectators are participants marching, dancing, chanting, wearing masks with us. Sí, y, y en, la, en la procesión de Día de Muertos, toda la gente iba cargando cruces que mm. al llegar a City Hall armamos ahí el altar, ¿no? Para de, de las personas que perdieron su vida en, en COVID y algunas personas que tu, tenían familias que habían fallecido, pues tuvieron la oportunidad ahí también de, de hablar, ¿no? Y de decir lo que ellos necesitaban decir. Yes. Pero yo, yo creo que hay, hay muchos niveles, ¿no? Y podemos decir este el teatro a la italiana o eh, lo que sea. Todo. Pero, pero todo, yo creo que todas son posibilidades, todas son válidas, ninguna es mejor que otra, son diferentes, yo creo que también la necesidad de los espectáculos o de las obras, ¿no? Porque no es la misma necesidad eh, como en Teotlo que... que que, claro, que en, en Lucha Teotl, que es como esta cosa visceral, ¿no? Que no es realmente reflectiva, es de emoción pura. Ya estaba ahí, es dale juego, con la silla. Es de juego, de emoción, de, 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 de... Sí, ¿no? Y, y hay otras cosas que tal vez necesiten como a, que el espectador tenga un espacio diferente, tal vez un poco más personal o más eh, contenido para pensar o incluso para llorar, ¿no? Para no sentirse tan vulnerable, porque los espacios abiertos también hacen al público más vulnerable, efectivamente. But that's our work, and so I, I think that that's our work uh, as, as as a theater company is to understand the history of theater and understand the possibilities of theater, and and mm -hmm. so because because then we can identify these these you know what does a proscenium experience. What does the what is like lucha libre experience? What does it mean to create processions outdoors in which people are participating together? So it's it's understanding space and possibilities, um, conditions of a moment such as being in the middle of a pandemic. So, for example, when we did the procession for Dia de los Muertos, the city of Dallas did not provide us with um, special events permits. Um, but they said, look, it sounds like you have a First Amendment right to actually demonstrate um, the objective of your procession. And so this was a city of Dallas that actually advised us to do that. And so and so that's what we ended up doing. And so it was a First Amendment procession that was inclusive. So looking at all of these things and we think about how we can interact with 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 the community is what's so very powerful. And. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like I said, we also do plays plays in the proscenium. Crystal City 1969 was done in proscenium. And it's a, it starts with a story of children being spanked for speaking Spanish. And the one scene where you see a child being spanked, we had a percussionist on stage that would hit the skin of his drum so hard while she was being spanked that it reverberates through the entire Latino cultural center. Yeah. And so um, it's that's a still a visceral experience. Mm -hmm. And as a proscenium, it became a ceremonial um, experience for, for people because, you know, we had people of all generations um, that were impacted by it. And people who grew up in that era that would come to us and they would they would um, share their pain because, you know, our parents and our grandparents and our aunts and uncles who lived through that, they didn't have 
healing circles to go to and they didn't mm-hmm. have the concept of self-care or community care and so they got through it and they buried it and they went out and they struggled to bring to 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 take care of their families and so the play brought out um uh the 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 histories of our people that that have been bottled up inside their contained in their bodies and and so but yet the victory in the play Mm -hmm. um was uh cathartic and Mm -hmm. so you get all kinds of powerful experiences when you really begin to think about the possibilities of what theater can be oh y'all are giving me like all the feelings because like (laughs) i mean even me like i kind of not anywhere to that degree but yeah i was told to stop speaking in spanish but instead my friends said some curse words some choice words to the teacher in <laughs> Spanish. And that was their form of rebelling and saying, you know what? I don't care what you got to say. I'm going to keep speaking in Spanish. And so as like you're, you're saying this, it's very relatable even now. Mm-hmm. So, so when, so when we think about racial equity, you know, these days and you know, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a real tightrope when we talk about how we quote fight for racial equity you know, because there have been moments in in my career where, you know, I felt, you know, if I don't speak up about racial equity, um, the children they come through the school of yes are going to have to. And I don't want them waiting 20 years yeah. or 30 years um, uh, to first have to deal with that and contemplate having to take the risk to speak up. Um, I, I felt that it was so important for me to do it at that moment because, you know, you know, it's, and in that moment, you know, our company was also much smaller. And so I was like, you know, it's, it's either we speak up now or never. Mm-hmm. And so that's, and, and that's, and that's why, that's when I learned that everything we do, every word we say, every time we take a step out into space, into the city, Every time we perform, everything we do is an action, and it it's uh, that that can trigger a reaction response, and it also has meaning mm-hmm. and representation. And so, um, I think that's our journey, you know, as a theater company that's on stage and off. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna. I don't know. I have a question that is a little lighter. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that Caramia Theater is R E versus E R. <laughs> Why? Like, what's the difference? Well, I saw that question, so I brought a 500 page book. <laughs> so, let me pull out, so, because we're not going to let this conversation get long. Oh, okay. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's funny because we're a Chicano. People used to always say, Why is a Chicano theater company have uh, used the British spelling of theater. And mm-hmm. so I actually don't really know the the differences. People say, well, the theater, T-R-E means building. T-E-R means company or the act of making theater. Mm. So um, I don't really know. I mean, Interesting. I, uh, yeah. But it, it's always been funny. Kata Mia Theater T-R-E Co. So, you know, we've, um, we're now doing business as Kata Mia Theater. So we don't have to say the co anymore. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> It's um, yeah, I you know, but that's you know, 
I can get philosophical on that one too, but <laughs> one better than the other. The what place, the art, you know, what, are, what are we talking about here? Where is the wind blowing? What direction yeah. does that change it? Well, I just try to stick with T R E, and then you know, in the in the office, people change it to T R E, and I was like, no, no, no. So we're always copy editing, um, editing each other's spellings because funny. we have these. We, we're not in agreement, but. I've always been a f- um, just the personal anecdote. I've always been partial to T R E because in Spanish it's teatro, so the uh, R comes, so it's teatro. Uh, okay. So theater that way makes more sense to me because of that than E R. David, well, that, just use that. Just don't. <laughs> well, that's a question too. What's the difference between theater, theater, and teatro? Yeah, um, and I think that, I mean, I, when we talk about Latinx groups in the United States, on when we're conferences we refer to our groups as teatros and mm-hmm. so you know because our all roads lead to teatro campesino in san juan bautiste in california which is the first chicano theater company in the country that mm-hmm. started out with what were called actos in the back of a pickup truck along the picket lines with cesar chavez so luis valdez um, began creating these actos that in essence would shame the Mexicano and Chicano farm worker into realizing that they're working for oppressors and that through these performances that you have to stand up to your oppressor. Mm-hmm. And so they would walk the, they would cross the picket line after seeing these actos. And then of course, Luis Valdez and Teatro Campesino evolved into touring the world. And then the first like Chicano Latino um, production on Broadway with Zoot Suit, yeah. it became a motion picture. So, I mean, those are those are our roots, and so you know that's teatro, and we say, "Hacemos teatro rascuache." It's que porque podemos. It's like hip pocket theater. It's a cousin of hip pocket theater in Oak Cliff, in Oak Cliff, hip hip pocket theater in Fort Worth. You know, which the idea of the hip pocket is that they can make theater with what's in their hip pocket. You know, because theater is people and mm-hmm. action, not a building. So, so that's, that's where, that's where, that's where our roots are when it comes to, to being a teatro. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is part one of seven of what is theater. <laughs> <laughs> so you should ask that to every theater company yeah. you bring in. I'm sure we'd that's get really such different yeah. responses. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I thought this was going to be like a, like a, I don't know, a more <laughs> intense question. Well, no, I mean, it I can't. Can. I mean, well, you know, I mean, like when Frida was talking about the proscenium theater, so it's like, so I, I've been wanting to talk about this for, for a long time, but yeah. so for example, when you look at the theater, let's look at the theaters in Dallas let's look, and look at, look at the architecture of the performance spaces in Dallas, look at the Meyerson. Uh, and, and actually, the Meyerson is probably the best example. Mm-hmm. They have suites and boxes. Mm-hmm. And so that's based on the audience, actually. So it's funny. So Raphael was just making the, uh, 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 the performing as the if he's looking at other right. people. Yeah. He's right. looking at other people. So that's the idea is that people, so, the, so those theaters were designed in the era of the, um, of late middle ages and and renaissance so that the spectators could be observed and that their status was recognized and so 
So it's based off the theaters in which you have a royal box in the center um, mezzanine. Yeah. And so so that structure is literally based on the um, on the uh, status driven um, nature of theater construction. And so and the minority of theaters in the world were actually designed like that. But those were the wealthiest in the world which is actually not unlike Dallas, you know, the largest and the, and the wealthiest theater companies um, are the fewest. And so everyone else, all the other theater companies were compelled to make theaters um, based on scaffolds in the streets, or often what they would do is they would go to taverns and turn basements, basements. <laughs> but like in the era of the Renaissance, they would take taverns in uh, hotels and inns and um, cover them up so people couldn't sneak uh, a peek and look over the fence, you know. But mm. but those but those were those are like the majority of theaters, the actors' theaters. Um, also, they would turn the interior of taverns into theaters. And so, but when you look at these structures, they're actually based on the hierarchical status of royalty, and that translates into. Again, the recognition of wealth. And so it's the Winspear, the Meyerson, um, and to a degree, the the Wiley when it's in that proscenium setting. But, you know, they don't have boxes. And the LCC is the Latino Cultural Center is in that structure. But we also don't have like boxes there. But so it's interesting to see like where theater construction comes from and and what what it's what it actually means. Yeah, you're kind of reminding me. Um, so I read the, read the Count of Monte Cristo. Actually, took me like a year to read it, but <laughs> <laughs> you reminded me of that. What are but, you talking? It's an easy read. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> when I first started working here, I brought it with me every day, and a year later, I was still bringing it in, trying to finish it. But um, I finally did. But the first time I went to a theater, I think it was like the Ford Worth Symphony, something like that. Mm. I can't remember. But um, or like the opera, I can't. I can't remember, but I do remember I put on some heels. I was like going on a date with this guy. I put on this like dress and everything. He was in a suit and everything. And we walk in and everyone is just dressed normally. I never felt more out of place in my life. Um, and we went to go watch like some musical and it was like at the Green Day music. I can't remember. Green but, Day. Yes. And, and we were like in one of the boxes because he had gotten gifted these tickets and it just, you reminded me of like how out of place I felt. It was the first experience I had and yeah, like the boxes looking down and just people it's a very different feel versus going to like watching like Lucha Teotra. I mean, right. there I was like mm-hmm. screaming now. Yeah. <laughs> All in it. Yeah. yeah. No, th- definitely this is a out of the, I mean, new experience for, yeah. for DTC. This, this show is like something else. Yeah. Lucha, Lucha yeah. Teotra is a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Of fun. It is. But yeah, just the way something is built. As but you're even, saying that. even Lucha Teotra, right? We talk about, we talk about the work that Caramia has done. We talk about all the actors, performers, artists, the musicians, the visual artists, the dancers, everyone that you all have found a way to work with or talk with or collaborate with. Um, and how, and for me, it's like, I'm always in awe of, of organizations and of people that are able to facilitate that in such a productive way because then we do end up seeing things like 
Lucha Teolta. How long mm-hmm. has has Jeff Colangelo of Prism Movement Theater been a part of what Caramia does, right? And in how many different ways? And how how has Chris Ramirez, you know, yeah. you know, uh, from Web Chapel, who went to Baylor and is now out here doing these Sick'em. amazing things, and 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 bringing Lucha Teotl to audiences, you know, and and it's it's a to me it's like you know zooming out to see that circle that that you're talking about, David, and how it is that we look at each other and say, hey, this is how we're gonna work with each other. This is how we're gonna talk about our experiences. This is how we're going to explore and, and look through some of the things that might be challenging for us to, to talk about or to confront, but we're going to do it together. And we have an understanding of, you know, there's something that we're working towards and we're going to do it constructively rather than you're different. I don't like that. I have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that I think what what's what's powerful is how uh, we all learn from each other. And we we really spur each other on to 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 create more bravely and to also dig deeper into our communities. Right. And and so I, I think that um, so I, I, th- I think that, you know, I, I think what we sp- spend a lot of time working on is is understanding that theater can take many forms and that theater is a, um, a dialogue with its community and in real time and in person. And so it can be very um, performative and visceral like Lucha Teotl, or it could be um, very um, thoughtful and visceral like um, Your Healing is Killing Me, mm. which is an incredible piece. It's a manifesto, it's a book right. that's turned into a performance that will be performed here at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. And um, for free and in other areas such as Bachman Lake and at Dallas College in Pleasant Grove. And so what and in that piece, you're seeing the experience of a Chicana who's whose struggles with um, her health conditions. But modern American doctors are not able to treat her and she's able to realize that her stress related um, uh, uh, health issues are related to racial tensions and the oppression of being a, a, a queer Chicana. Mm. And, and so at the end of the play, she says, how do you destroy uh, something, uh, an institution that does harm? And she doesn't say tear it down or burn it. She says you create something better. And at that moment, you realize or the, during this workshop production that I first experienced this piece, when she, when the performer said this, I realized we've been sitting in these really comfortable couches on cushions, drinking lemon water served by um, the served by fellow spectators, and that the spectators were invited to serve this uh, cleansing bone marrow soup, and. I realize that we're going to destroy destructive systems by caring for ourselves mm-hmm. and caring for, each, care other for each other mm-hmm. yeah. and creating um, healthy environments where we can find our own vitality. And so those are that that's a that's an experience that happens in live performance through the genius of writer Virginia Grice, director Kendra Ware, um, and um, 
through spaces like the Latino Cultural Center where it was presented and through a company like ours. And so, I mean, these, that's, that's what theater is. And, and it, and it, and, and I could go show by show and talk about the unique characteristics, but it's, it's, it's about a space at a particular moment under certain conditions with the um, creations of the, of the artists. Y, y yo voy a decir, durante, si pensamos um, durante la pandemia, de las cosas que nos mantuvieron más sanos de nuestra cabeza y como con esta, tratan, dándonos la posibilidad de, de relajarnos y de estar más como tranquilos y felices, fue, fue eso, fue mínimo ver películas, mínimo, ¿no? Mm -hmm. Películas. Pero si tenías la alternativa de tener estas cosas eh, eh, en vivo, en espacios seguros, pues era como, ay, voy a ver gente, ¿no? Sí. Y voy a tener esa experiencia en vivo compartida, que es una de las cosas, ¿no? Me hace pensar otra vez en la pregunta de qué hay de diferencia con las novelas y qué toca. Pues son historias humanas, ¿no? El teatro va a ser historia humana de, de una diversidad de formas, pero es eso, a fin de cuentas tomar, sentir esa experiencia que te hace moverte, pero además la compartes con otras personas uh -huh. ahí. Y eso te hermana. Aunque ni conozcas a la gente, de repente hasta una mirada así como compartida de, ay, sí, sí eso, ¿no? <risa> Cosas que te caen. So I think a lot about um, the, the most influential eras of theater for, for me and It's the era of the two eras of the theater reform at the turn of last century in which theater companies throughout Europe, especially were asking themselves, how does, how do, how do our, how does our theater inspire the development of a new human being? And how do we cultivate a more advanced, a um, more humane and thoughtful human being. Mm -hmm. the, the theater reform after World War II, the second theater reform, began to tear down the red curtain and create theater in new places. And um, the great book by Peter Brook, The Empty Space, talks about walking through post-World War II Europe and being in Germany where there was a um, destroyed um, symphony hall but a symphony was playing in the ruins mm. because it was telling people <laughs> that we we will continue to to our spirits will continue to soar just like the titanic scene yeah Yeah. And so I think that the, so the theater reform reminds us of the potential of theater, that it goes beyond, you know, just pure entertainment. It can really be however we can successfully position it. And so I think that so one thing I've been reflecting on a lot, and especially as we continue to grow and I look at just the extraordinary theater that's happening in Dallas right now, mm -hmm. even during a pandemic, I, I, I think about what the Nahuas or the Aztecs, or the Aztecs being part of the larger um, network of Nahuas and before the arrival of, um, of uh, Cortes and the conquest was that the idea that flor y canto was the highest level of existence, mm -hmm. of flower and song and of the arts. And, 
and it's and it's because the and I believe because the con the 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 experience of the arts is what is what can allow our our souls to become soothed and mm-hmm. where we can actually engage with each other in peace and that's a lesson I have to learn as well and so but I'm but I'm but I'm hopeful to think that this incredible incredible proliferation of theater and art right now especially among our communities of color in in Dallas can really bring in this concept of floricanto in which we're living together as artists we're not competing but living together and all of these these voices are just enriching our city and so and it's a hard step to make because like i said we live in a machiavellian society but maybe the arts can provide this um this healing space so that we can continue to transform and we've talked about this in different ways the arts can maybe be that platform I think that's a really good thought and like very beautiful and I think it's like a good spot to kind of like wrap up but I don't know if Frida Mm -hmm. si quieres añadir algo como de lo que tú esperas que el teatro o el arte nos dé especialmente aquí en Dallas pues yo creo que es eso tiene que ver con lo que están diciendo es es como hay un libro de Joseph Campbell que es el héroe de las mil caras y es un libro donde hace él, él lo que hace es también siempre um, encontrar las, los mitos, los mitos ancestrales que son tan cercanos, ¿no? Y él y hace mención de esto, que el futuro de la humanidad está en los artistas, porque son los que van a ser capaces de entender el todo sin juzgar, sino con, con esta valorización, ¿no? De, de la de la belleza y de la importancia y yo yo siento completamente eso y siento que de alguna manera es, estamos en ese camino no no sé cuánto tiempo o décadas más o, o si va a ser más rápido cuánto tiempo nos va a tomar para seguir construyendo esto pero también sé que las construcciones de las cosas maravillosas pues toman mucho tiempo, no es de hoy a mañana, ¿no? Y a veces son procesos de décadas, a veces son procesos que pueden de ser, no de nuestra generación donde vamos a tener los frutos más hermosos, pero sí estamos viendo frutos, aunque no sea a, a nivel mundial, aunque no sea en todas partes, aunque sigan habiendo cosas todavía muchas que tenemos que sanar y que resolver de cómo nos entendemos y cómo nos comportamos, pero ahí vamos, ¿no? Uh-huh. Lo que escucho es que estamos como viendo los frutos, pero también tenemos que dejar semillitas. Que seguir sí. sembrando, sí. siempre seguir sembrando. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I am inspired and hopeful (laughs) and all kinds of things. But I think um, I think our listeners will definitely appreciate, you know, what you were able to share. Um, And we really did talk a lot about it. it, It's there's no way to condense what Caramia has done in the past two decades and a half. But if there's a way to kind of encapsulate where Caramia came from and how it started and where it's going and kind of scaling that conversation and kind of projecting it to the work that is happening globally, honestly, um, I think it's a really it, it's a really interesting way to look at things. And I feel like it's it's a perspective that is much needed in a time like uh, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we're living in right now. So um, thank you, thank you, Frida. Thank you, David. 
Um, we appreciate you. No, yeah. Thank you for for coming to OC3 and sharing these really wonderful thoughts with us. Any, any last or parting words? I just want to really recognize all of the artists and all of the, um, people who have made Katamiya's experience, what, what they, what they, what they mean to people. And because like, like I've been talking about these productions, um, these are these, these are people other than just Frida and I. These are people. These are um, world class artists and members of our community that are creating powerful work. And so, um, Katamia is a lot of people, and we typically contract 125 people a year. That's so, a lot. So yeah. you know, it's a it's a and and every year for 25 years. I mean. We haven't contracted that many people. Like in, we didn't contract that many people the first year. But thinking about that, there have been a lot of people that have created impactful art within yeah. our organization. Mm-hmm. Pues viva las artes, ¿no? Sí. Que, sí. <laughs> que, sí, que sigamos. Que yeah. sigamos. Sí. Gracias yeah. a ustedes también porque construyen mucho y, y sí. este espacio también es como un, un oasis para nuestra ciudad entonces a seguirle dando no, sí. yeah. pues, mm-hmm. pa- para eso estamos ¿verdad? a sus órdenes públicos y en esa nota I don't know if we want to talk about the 10 year anniversary really quickly yeah but, no please yeah since she mentioned it yeah Oak Cliff um, Cultural Center celebrating 10 years well we're Woo-hoo! rewinding because last year was 10 years but this August, we're celebrating um, 11 years, but, you know. But 10. We're yeah. the 10. 11 years, but 10. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, we just wanted to let y'all know. And so um, if you want to join us, August 28th. Yes, August 28th, we will be here at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. We are activating our back parking lot on Sunset Avenue. Um, we'll have workshops. Um, we're going to have vendors a cool little market, um, and then we're going to have the performances here at the Texas Theater, 7 and 9 p.m., August 28th, but the market starts at 3, so it'll be a full day. A fun. Full Arts fun and culture. Oak Cliff awesome. Cultural Center kind of day. Um, but, yeah, so please make sure to make plans to come out and visit us and say hi and take a look at some of the wonderful stuff that we're doing and, you know, maybe talk to us about some of the stuff that we hope to do in the future and, you know, and working with uh, people like David and Frida from Caramia Theater. But with that being said, make sure you log on to Caramia Theater with an R-E at the end, <laughs> dot, org, uh, dot org to make sure you can, you know, get all the information. I know you you all have a ton of stuff that you all are working on. You know, you mentioned your healing is killing me. The performance is happening here at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center on August 21st, I believe. That's the week before our 10-year anniversary. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we hit the ground running uh, once we came back and out of this pandemic. Um, So, yes, go make sure you go to caramiatheater.org. They're also on Instagram at caramiatheater, all one word, R-E at the end. Make sure you find and follow Oak Cliff Cultural Center at Oak Cliff Cultural Center across all social media. Except for um, Twitter. Except That's for Twitter. We're Oak, Oak Cliff, Cliff Culture, Culture there. <laughs> uh, and then, um, yeah, and we're online. And then with the podcast, Frequencies, please share, tell your friends, leave us a rating. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Any parting words, Luna Luna. Only leave us a rating if it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> five stars. We only want the five stars. Anywho, thank you folks for listening. Again, thank you to our guests, David and Frida from Caramia Theater. And Frequencies is checking out. Until next time. Bye, y'all. Bye.